0: Hi, and welcome to The Hingham Cast. This episode is brought to you by XR Barbecue. I'm your host, Allie Donley. I spent 20 years as a reporter for NECN and NBC Boston, but now I'm telling stories in this new way. Here on Boston's South Shore. The Hingham Cast is hyper-local, looking at the world through the lens of one small town. But the issues we explore are unfolding in communities across the country like becoming yourself. Today, we talk with a young transgender man. He shares a painful journey, what it is to be born into a girl's body, but know for your entire childhood, it's not where you belong. Today, June 1st, marks the beginning of Pride Month, celebrating and honoring the struggle of the LGBTQ community. I want to welcome Finn and Moira Congdon, Finn grew up in Hingham. He's just about to graduate from Oberlin College in Ohio, and his mom, Moira, still lives here full-time. Finn, instead of having me write your introduction, would you introduce yourself and share what you want people to know about you as we start this conversation?
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I'm, uh, I'm Finley Congdon. Uh, most people call me Finn. Um, I am a 22, 22-year-old transgender man from Hingham, Massachusetts. Uh, I go to school out in in Oberlin, Ohio, as you said. Uh, I, I love sports. I play rugby and ice hockey. I coach rugby for uh, an actual a women trans rugby team. Uh, I love music, and I have this—I have a wonderful, loving family uh, and a very fat bulldog.
0: Excellent. So. I'm going to take a minute um, just to brief people on some terminology in case anyone is uninitiated. So everyone has a gender identity, and for some people, their gender identity is the same as the sex they were assigned at birth. That's called cisgender. And for some people, their gender identity is different than the sex they were assigned at birth, and that's called transgender. So, Finn, tell me about your journey. Tell me about how you... Felt about yourself once you were kind of aware or ready to start thinking about who you were and your body and your identity?
1: It it was very challenging when I was a young person. And I used to steal my brother's old navy, um, like basketball shorts and his basketball shirts, even though they were, he's several years younger than me. So they didn't fit, they were so tight. I looked insane. And I wear them to school, these like muscle shirts every day, just so I could feel masculine. Mm. But it didn't occur to me for a really long time. And it didn't make sense to me for a really long time what that mismatch was, because Mm. eventually people were like, oh, you're a tomboy. And I was like, okay, is that what this is? Sure.
0: Hmm. Let me pause you there for a second. I want to bring you back just a little bit. How old were you when you knew the identity you were born with didn't match the body you were born with?
1: Yeah. um, I think that that really started to become clear to me when I was around probably, you know, kind of like nine or 10 years old. I first started having like real mismatch between what the outside world wanted me to do and be and and who I actually felt that I was. Mm
0: -hmm. What was that to see yourself differently than people saw you from the outside?
1: It was, I, I, I gotta say, it was, it was really awful. Um, I, 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 could, I could show you going back kind of pictures of me as a kid. Every single day, I would wear these like gigantic baggy sweatpants and a baggy sweatshirt. And I just was trying to really swallow myself up and hide every mm. part of myself. If you were to see me in pretty much any space uh, that wasn't incredibly, incredibly private. I was basically this kind of like shell of a person. I was just trying so hard to hide from everybody.
0: Mm. At that point, you're coming into middle school. I mean, that's the time when your body is developing and, you know, you're developing breasts and hair. And how did you feel when you looked at your body?
1: That was, I think that was when, you know, the real crisis started to, to, to take place because, you know, up until then there was a little bit of plausible deniability. I could say, you know, I'm a tomboy and just basically be, be as much of a boy as I, I wanted to, for the most Mm. part, I could, I could sell it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then when puberty started to hit and I was like, Oh no. Mm. Uh, You know, the, the sweatshirts got baggier. Everything got much, got much larger. And I would hide from all the mirrors in my house. I never looked in the mirror if I could help it. I wouldn't. I tried not to like physically touch my body with my hands because just I, I think a lot of times my brain would try and make me forget that this was my body.
0: Hmm. You know, kids can be so cruel and mean in the best of times how did other kids treat you
1: um it was it was hard especially in middle school um, I ended up uh, my my parents were so incredibly wonderful and supportive about this they that we had a lot of talks where I was like I'm not sure if I'll be able to go to the high school uh, here because I've just had some really challenging experiences uh, because I also you know I was kind of coming into my my LGBTQ plus identity. Uh I also played the tuba in middle school. I was not cool. I was not cool <laughs> at all. <laughs> my my parents would tell you, you know, I, I would like I got like a, a like a heavy bag, you know, a punching bag, so I could I could train myself up because I thought that, you know, violence was gonna be something that I had to deal with a lot. Mm. I, I was very I think I was a very kind of standoffish person in the middle school. Because I was so ready for every single, for any interaction to immediately become very painful.
0: Hmm. What was happening for you? When you say I was having these painful experiences and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to go to the high school, what was that?
1: A lot of people, for some reason, found my lack of femininity to be – some. they kind of looked at it as like a challenge that they could crack, you know, that if they, hmm. they worked hard enough on me – to make me try and be feminine, that that they could. And that would be a win for them. I mean, I still remember kind of being forced by um, people that I played sports, sports with. They would like force me to put makeup on just to see what would happen and, mm-hmm. and try and do my hair and try and put clothes on me. Or they, they noticed how unfeminine I was and it was a real problem for a lot of people. And they wanted to make sure that that was something that I was thinking about constantly. They wanted to make sure that, that was something that I never forgot.
0: And what did you think about going to a different school would make it better?
1: I really just felt like I, I needed a new start after, after elementary school, and middle school, which I mean, I had, I I did make so many wonderful friends in Hingham schools. I want to make that super clear. I have, and I still have wonderful friends, Uh, but it was just, it was, it was very challenging. Uh, Even on the bus, there was all, there was, bunch of kids who would just kind of like yell homophobic slurs at the, the one very kind of more flamboyant man that was, was in our grade. Mm. So I was like, you know, I just want to see if I can get away from that. I want to see if there are other options where people don't know me already, where I can hopefully maybe kind of release myself as a person a little bit, because all of these experience really kind of reinforced that shell that I had been building around myself to make sure that no one could, could see me kind of physically or mentally.
0: I'm sorry. Moira, when you hear that, what goes through you? Oh
2: gosh. It, you know, it absolutely breaks your heart. Yeah. Um, and during that time, I wasn't thinking truly in terms of, You know, Finn not identifying with his gender. We just kind of chalked it up to being a tomboy, but at that time really didn't understand um, how sad and how depressed he was. Mm. And, you know, hearing that, it really does break your heart.
0: How old was Finn when he came to you? Finley was in
2: his sophomore year of high school. And I remember him saying to me repeatedly, "Oh gosh, you know mom i' have, I have something that I want to talk about with you. I have something that I want to discuss with you and um at that time it's it's kind of funny, you know, mother's intuition, I was like oh mm. well finn is is going to tell me that um that he's gay mm. so we went out to lunch uh we went to lunch at the snug <laughs> and mm. um I remember having that conversation and, and it was perfectly fine. And It was, you know, it was no, no big deal. You know, you always want life to be easy for your child. That's, that's mm-hmm. the only thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, but at that point, um, you know, I definitely, I definitely, I knew, I knew. And so that was the first time that he kind of came out (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and at that point um, I thought that that was it and I think maybe he thought it was it and that he kind of hit it on the nose and so I was hoping that there would be some relief and feeling a feeling of you know weight
0: being lifted off of his shoulders Finn is that what you had intended to tell your mom
1: I was so happy when I came to that conclusion that I was a lesbian and I was like, Oh, finally, like, thank God Mm. this, this explains it because no one is going to tell you that you're transgender. Mm. Uh, But also it is so challenging to describe that feeling because it, it really doesn't connect with many other feelings that we kind of have. Mm. And so I, I, you know, started watching, you know, logo TV and learning about what it meant to be gay. And I, I, you know, learned about, you know, butch lesbians. And I was like, okay, maybe that's it. Like that explains it. That could be it. I had come to that firm conclusion a while before coming out to either of my parents.
0: That you were gay.
1: That I was gay. Yeah. Mm. Because I just, you know, I have the most incredibly accepting loving parents in the world. Uh, but I still remember seeing the, um, Dan Savage, it gets better documentary when I was like 12 or 13.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, and there was a statistic they put up about, about like, I think it was about 26% of LGBTQ plus young people who came out to their parents would be kicked out of the house. And I saw that and I was like, okay, I know my parents are probably like, are probably going to be fine with it, but I am not willing to roll those dice <laughs> mm. Mm. That is way too high, uh, a, a percentage um, and so I just kind of was like, well, at least I explained it a little better for myself. Mm. And I did that for, you know, two years of being very dedicated to being a part of the lesbian community. Had all mm-hmm. the rainbow. I had all my my special flags. I have my pins about, had all my pins about being a lesbian. Cut my hair short my, my freshman year of high school. Was ahead of the GSA. I was super into it. And... The kind of excitement about finally figuring out what my deal was eventually wore off and I was like, wait, it definitely feels better than before, but it's still not me. It's still not me.
0: I want to take a break here to recognize our sponsor, XR Barbecue. For Ben Cutler, food, family, friends, they're everything. Barbecues are a time to celebrate being together. And it's always time to celebrate love, diversity, inclusivity, and the LGBTQ community. Happy Pride. And if you're grilling out, grab some XR. All natural, no stabilizers, no preservatives, very little sugar, just clean, honest ingredients. Find it at xrbarbecue.com or down at Ralph's on North Street. And listen later in the episode. We're doing some great giveaways. Okay, let's get back to the conversation with Finn. He switched to a private high school and came out as gay, but realized, though he was born into a girl's body, being a lesbian still wasn't his true self. Did you know or were you versed in what transgender meant and what that could have meant to you?
1: Absolutely not. I had no idea that that was even a thing. Like, if I had known that that was a thing earlier in my life, I am certain that I would have kind of gone through my my kind of at least social transition much much earlier in my life that I would have been able to kind of come to that conclusion. But it just wasn't even I didn't know that existed until high school. Hmm. We had a speaker come, um, Jennifer Finney Boylan. She is a wonderful transgender author. Um, and she came and spoke. And I think that was the first time that I ever really learned what a transgender person was. And mm. I was like, whoa. And then I learned that the uh, head of the middle, of middle school athletics at the high school that I was going to was a transgender man. And I met mm. him and I was like, whoa, he's just like a real person that I can see mm. and speak to. When I met these people, uh, and I started to understand that that was just Mm. An experience that that other people shared and could understand and that I wasn't just kind of some nutty kid uh, was when I really started thinking more critically about who I was and kind of these categories that I've been trying to fit myself into and what I could what what could be if I tried to let go of that a little bit.
0: So how old were you when you said, I think I'm transgender?
1: I had just started my senior year of high school, so I was 18 uh, when I first came out to my parents and to kind of, you know, therapists and friends and stuff as transgender.
0: So, was that a hard thing to accept, or was that a relief? What was that?
1: It was a little bit terrifying. I'm not going to, I'm not I'm not going to lie, because I think I think the thing that scared me the most was that you know we talk about the spectrum of gender. Being, you know, kind of a line that you can plot yourself along. And I was so concerned about finding the exact spot on the line to plot myself on before I told other people. Because there was so much stuff in the media about, you know, snowflakes at that point. Uh, That was really when it was starting to get when they were just like, oh, all the young kids are trying to get attention by coming up with Mm. crazy stuff about themselves. Mm. And I was so terrified that I was going to come to a conclusion about what my gender was. And then I might change my mind and not have the exact, not have used the right word that maybe I was, Mm. maybe I was like non-binary, but I I was going to tell them something else. And I I just wanted to give them the right word because I I didn't want to be going through this whole kind of like back and forth in my mind. And that stopped me from talking to my parents for for a while.
0: Even though you knew they were wildly accepting. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because I was just so afraid. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to show up every few weeks and be like, okay, I thought about it some more. And like, and the thing that really made me realize that I was kind of being a little ridiculous was that I was like, you know, it's not possible to plot yourself on this line. There is no line. There's no there's no quantitative way that you can do some testing and find where exactly on the lines of the spectrum of gender, you should put your little dot. And when I realized that all I needed to do was to kind of, you know, what is what is it that I want from people? What is it that I kind of basically want them to understand about me? And I was like, you know, I want them to use he him pronouns for me. I want them to use a new name. Uh, and I want them to generally understand me as a masculine person as, as a and I was like, okay, transgender man, that fits up with all that, that, that makes me happy. I, and that was really freeing.
0: Mm-hmm. And Moira, for you, when Finn told you, was that scary? Was that a loss? Was it okay, we finally got this? What was that? Um, it was actually a considerable relief
2: mm. in some ways. Um Scary from the perspective of uh, not that it didn't make sense to me, mm-hmm. um not that I didn't agree with it, um not that I wouldn't wholeheartedly love him <laughs> mm-hmm. um but as a parent, you want your child's life to be easy, and that's a big declaration that's that's Changing your entire life yeah. um, and the way that people perceive you. Finn had gone through a really tough time junior year and just was not himself. Um, went th- was going through issues of you know just depression and anxiety and actually um, took off time from school mm-hmm. and just the the you know promise that there could be some relief and. Um, you know, if this could possibly explain why he had been so unhappy and provide us with a path to feeling fulfilled and mm-hmm. finding his authentic self and being happy, you know, as a parent, that's, that's a huge thing.
0: Let's take a quick break here to recognize our sponsor, Clandestine Kitchen. Their summer cooler bags are back. They're awesome. Perfect for dinner on the beach, the boat, the ball field build your own cooler with scratch made organic locally sourced food delivered right to your door this week they've got lobster non-flatbread curried chicken salad it looks so good and don't miss their hingham pride project pop-up on thursday with 50 percent of all sales going directly to pride head to their website for details it's clandestinekitchen.com. okay back to our conversation Though Finn had lived his whole life up to this point, not quite sure where he belonged, he finally found his place and came out as transgender. But to many young people, that darkness hasn't lifted. There's a new survey out from the Trevor Project. It's the third national survey on LGBTQ youth and mental health that uh, it's done every year. It's hard to get numbers thrown at you, but they surveyed, Nearly 35,000 people between the ages of 13 and 24 in the LGBTQ plus community, 52% of all the transgender and non-binary young people that were surveyed here in the United States had seriously contemplated killing themselves in 2020. So more than half thought it would be better to be dead than live with the isolation or loneliness or rejection or bullying or you know whatever comes with it. How does that strike you?
1: I I totally understand what it was like, what it, what it's like to be there. I know in high school I was in that incredibly, incredibly dark place um before I started really coming to to terms and, and starting to understand my gender and, and who I was. I want to, I slept through so much of my, of my days because I just didn't want to be awake and see myself in the mirror and Mm. remember. And, And it's so challenging to have that mismatch where, you know, there are these beautiful moments when you, when you are kind of forgetting and just living as your true self and enjoying existing. And then you get kind of so strongly pulled back down to earth and it's so jarring to be like, no, this is I, just the thought of living your life like that the entire time, thinking this is what life is always going to be like, and I'm I'm never going to be able to be the person that I actually am for the rest of the world. I'm just gonna have to live this kind of one small, limited life inside my head, and then a very unfulfilling life outside is it, it just, it feels like it stretches on forever. Mm. And I want to make sure that other kind of young trans people know that that there isn't this kind of yawning kind of chasm of your future life where you have to continue being this person that you're not. Like if I can connect with any of them and be like, and, and show them and, and just give them an example mm. of what, can happen and how happy you can be if you are able to pursue being yourself in so, not doesn't have to be in a medical transition way it can be just social transition every transgender person kind of trans transitions differently hmm. but just the knowledge that there are options for how your life can continue it's not always going to be this same thing where you feel like you're hiding
0: A quick break here to share news from our sponsor, Trist. Start summer with a fresh face forward. They have some terrific new facials, a water burst hydra facial, leaving you with plumped, hydrated, glowing skin, and a derma flaming facial to get rid of all the dullness of these past few months. This one's cool, a gua sha facial to calm and clear your skin with massage. Triss believes that love is love. They believe in acceptance and living your true self. They're donating 10% of each facial to the Hingham Pride Project. And stay tuned for details on how you can win a Triss gift card later in the podcast. Okay, back to the conversation. So more and more people have come forward as allies for the LGBTQ community. And I'd like to think we've grown as an inclusive community, but there are still struggles. I'd love to ask you both about what the movement has been here in Hingham and what you think the work is still left to do. Finn?
1: I think it's been a really interesting experience for me kind of leaving Hingham for a little bit, coming back while in college and having especially like the Hingham Pride Project uh, before I ever kind of learned about the Hingham Pride Project, but driving through town and seeing seeing all the the pride flags was like this total, incredibly, like positively jarring moment because Mm -hmm. honestly, as a kid, uh, you know, my experience, people were not, nice about it. Mm. And so I honestly, I couldn't have imagined being transgender and and trying to, (laughs) I I can't imagine what trying to blaze that path would have been like. But Mm. this, I I think the fact that people are really starting to think critically about how they talk and what the, the, the things they say and how that affects how their their kids are kind of learning about their peers in the world around them. Hmm. You know, a lot of things we say to kids, you know, they, they don't seem very meaningful to us, but that it really sets children's worldview and their their understanding of what the world is. So if you you know you're watching TV and you make fun of a man in a dress, it may not seem like a big thing to you, but if if your but your your child might take that and sees a, a someone who's assigned male maybe trying to experiment with you know, pink shoes or something that they're that they're going to extrapolate and, and use what what they've learned from you. And I think people are really starting to think more critically about what they're they're teaching their children about this. And uh, and I think we still have I mean we still have uh, a long way to go, Hingham and everywhere else. Uh, I mean I know I talked to my sister and she goes to Hingham High School. <laughs> she but just seeing the kind of new energies and like thoughtfulness that she and her friends bring to some of these topics still already feels like a kind of like a a new horizon for Mm. for me that I think that Hingham is starting to learn much better is that you don't have to really understand someone's identity to respect it and Mm. treat them with respect.
0: We've talked a lot about your experience in middle school, and earlier this year, there was an incident there. According to the school, there was student misconduct involving a, quote, fouling of the brand new gender-neutral bathroom. The school didn't think it was a threat or a civil rights violation, but more of a bad choice by some students. So why I bring it up is not to ostracize any of the kids, but after it happened, I asked my daughter and a number of other kids at the middle school what their understanding of the gender-neutral bathroom was. But none of the kids I talked to, or any of my mom's friends' kids, had even known about the gender-neutral bathroom. So, what advice would you give to schools and other entities talking about resources and things like gender-neutral bathrooms or acceptance, inclusivity?
1: Talking about you know the fact that there are that in, in you know any size school, there's probably going to be some LGBTQ plus people. There are a lot of LGBT, LGBTQ plus people pretty much everywhere. So having spaces that make that clear, that just kind of expose young people to that is important. I think that what the school could also do is, you know, we still split up when we, we talk about splitting up by by gender so much in school. I think that really, really enforces a lot of these things that when we go back to students and say, okay, we're going to do like gender neutral bathrooms. They're like, are you crazy? Mm. And I think maybe speaking more candidly about what, what categories we have in, in school and what those actually mean would be very valuable. And I, I think that every school could really benefit from having a, a speaker come and just say, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a trans person or I'm a non-binary person. I use the gender neutral bathroom because of this. But maybe like if it maybe you would need to use it because of this set of reasons, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this is. This is why it is a valuable resource.
0: What does it say to you that so many of the kids didn't know about the bathroom to begin with?
1: I think that that does say, unfortunately, that the school may not have been as loud about this resource as it could have been to the students. Because if a lot lot of students don't know what it is and what it's for, that probably means that students who would benefit from it don't know where it is or that it's there or what it's for.
0: We did reach out to middle school principal Derek Smith. He says it's a decision that he wrestles with after the fact, but does in the end think they made the right call. He says they made sure all the kids that they thought might want to know about or use the bathroom knew about it, and they didn't want to put a spotlight on the space and make any of the kids who wanted to use it self-conscious. He also said as unfortunate as the experience was, it did spark good conversations. They'll be launching a gay-straight alliance group next year, They've incorporated books about gender identity into the school book group, and they plan to bring in a series of LGBTQ plus speakers next year. Moira says those are all steps in the right direction.
2: I often say if if we all just knew one transgender person and, you know, you could see that you know, just people like you and me. Mm-hmm. Again, just sort of really trying to encourage conversation. Um, You know, letting kids that may internally feel and and understand that they're either, you know, non-gender conforming or, you know, maybe homosexual, that they're not alone, that Mm -hmm. they're not alone and that they are supported.
0: Okay. You hear that number of 52% of transgender and non-binary young people surveyed had considered suicide. Finn, when you think about our own community, what can you tell people that can help us all move toward lowering or eradicating that number here?
1: I think the main thing that I can tell people is to to really be up front with your your general support. Because I think, I mean, when I was a young LGBTQ plus person. I didn't know I, you know, I I had to go off judging a book by its cover to figure out whether people were were safe. Mm. When you're when you're a young kid, and you're afraid, you're just trying to keep yourself safe. Um, And so I think it can cause a lot of young people to to hide and, and turn inward in a way that they wouldn't necessarily do if they could be more sure that they could open up a little bit. You know, it's it's a lifelong journey, obviously, but to really <laughs> be in such a positive place in, in my kind of gender identity journey right now is because people really went out of their way to signal to me that it was okay. Like just having those signals that that is a safe person in a safe space is just life changing. And or at least it was for me.
0: Hmm. How do you feel about yourself now?
1: I mean, I've been on testosterone. I've been on hormone replacement therapy for about four years now, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and I I had um, my my chest uh, kind of, I had it reconfigured. I had my breasts removed about two and a half years now. And I still look in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, overcome. I just never thought that I could be this happy and this open and vulnerable about who I am. <sighs>
0: Moira, that must be awesome to hear. Oh my gosh. It's,
2: it, it, it fills my heart. (laughs) Um, Beyond full, beyond full. You know, obviously, as as a mother, that's just, you know, that's it. That's, that's what we hope for. So, um, absolutely positively.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. Finn and Maura Congdon. I thank you so much for being here. It's a great conversation.
2: Thank you, Allie. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Allie.
0: If you or someone you know is struggling and needs help, we'll have a list of resources on our website, thehangamcast.com. We'll also be drawing names from our email list to win treats from XR and Rouse Wine Merchant. Winners will get a bottle of XR's Fabulous Sauce and a bottle of Pinot Noir, an excellent pairing for barbecue. One lucky winner will also get a $100 gift card to Trist. So if you're not in already, join our email list at thehangamcast.com. We'll pull winners at the end of the week. I want to thank my wonderful podcasting partner, the ever-talented Kristen Keith. Our new intern is Claudia Chiappa. Our website is the work of Donna Mavromatis at Mavro Creative. And our fabulous media partner is the Hingham Anchor. If you want to put faces to these voices or see more photos from Finn's journey, head to Hinghamanchor.com. I'm Allie Donnelly. Thanks for listening.